Father, we come before you today. And we just bring this offering to you. For those that are online, we offer our hearts to you. For the three people outside that are bearing the heat, we offer our hearts to you. And for those that are in here, Father, I pray that not only the coolness of your love comes, but you bring the fire of your glory. I pray that you give me the willingness to share my heart today, to be vulnerable, to be humble, so that we can experience you, Father. I pray that they will see the incredible week that God, you've shown me today, Lord. And I pray that it comes out in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. On August 29th of 2019, I sent a letter to the park and rec, this place where we uh, call home. Remember that date. I submitted a letter that we are going to be leaving the park and rec. We submitted that on the night, uh, th that August, and I was ecstatic. It didn't mean that we were going to leave, but our contract ended in March of 2020. Another date to remember. I was thrilled because I felt like God was moving, and he told us to do it. We all agreed on the board, and we knew uh, that this is what we're supposed to do, but God, I, I think of my mom, my mom in her kitchen, it says, but God. But God knows and God knew what was coming. I didn't and I don't know because that's what the Bible says. But God knew and God knows what was coming. So my job as, 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 as a pastor at this church was to lead the church through the Red Seas and find a building, right? That was my job, and it was a focus. And I remember the, 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 the staff saying, wow, this is like a whole other job. And it was. You got to learn building codes and where to go and all the things that it takes. And, and, and it was a lot of work. And I remember Jeremy pulling me aside. like, is this possible for you to do? But I was so focused. I was so excited. And somebody from our church that was on our board had a building. And they were moving to Las Vegas. And it was, gonna, and it was, a, it was a great place. And I'm thinking in my head, we can make this work. This is God. This is good. And uh, at the end of the, like by November, December, the board says, this isn't God. This isn't good. And my heart just sank. Ugh. So on to the next one. So then I go on to the next one. I'm not one of those guys that sit and dwell. I move to the next one. And there was another building that was in the same area off of Poncho Road out there in, in the building. And I was so excited about it. And, and this one was even better because it needed limited uh, changes inside. And there was air condition that we need. <laughs> Can I get an amen for air condition? <laughs> hey, if you're online and you're sweating, it's free today. Come on down, you still got time. And so this place didn't need much work. We could use it with literally the most minimal uh, uh, rebuild that we can do inside. It was perfect. So perfect that I kept pushing our staff and, and, and our board there. And I'm like, this is the place. And me and my wife would go after our date night. We have date night every Friday. And after date, I'm like, do you want to go by that building and walk and pray? And she's like, um, oh, okay. 
And I'd bribe her with a cup of coffee and we'd walk and it was perfect. And I just knew this was God and God, what God wanted to do. Uh, our worship leader, Tara, who was just uh, giving the announcements, had this vision about vineyards and all, you know, the, the, the landlord was going to love on us. And so it was that same kind of mindset. But God, he knew and he knows. And here's the thing. I'm just like you. I don't. I don't know. I just have faith that God knows. Well, welcome. We are so excited that you are here today. Seems like it's been uh, forever that I've been up here, and I'm so excited to bring to you the offering today that we have for God. We're doing this sermon series called The Rebuild, and I'm excited because as we are still coming out of a pandemic, I can't believe it's 2022 and we're still coming out of the pandemic, we have been called by God, a mission from God like the Blues Brothers, to love the world one person at a time so that we can rebuild. How are we going to do that? We've come up with a vision to get people in that. And the vision of our church is love the world one person at a time is the mission. The vision is so that we can become or create passionate. Everybody say passionate. Passionate world changers for Jesus Christ one at a time. That's where the rebuild comes. We take one person, we love on them, we grow them, we experience life with them in their trials and tragedies and joys. We love them until they learn to, to experience the love of God and then their love can flow into other people's life. Passionate world changers. And that's how we're gonna rebuild. So if you're here today for the first time or in a long time, you're in a great Sunday because I believe God wants to rebuild us from the ground up. Last week, Jeremy gave an excellent message on Haggai chapter 1. Didn't he do a great job? Really encouraging me. And in that, we opened up Haggai, and we're just going through this two-chapter book in the Bible. It's kind of my favorite because I can read them in like 12 minutes and feel like, man, I read a whole book, God. How good am I? So... We're going through this book, Haggai, and Jeremy kind of broke down uh, verse by verse what was going on in the rebuild of the temple. And one of the things that he said at the beginning that challenged me was, what does God want to rebuild in you? And, and, I, and honestly, I haven't left that thought. I wrote it down. I don't have my phone on me, but I wrote it down on my phone, and I'm like, what does God want to rebuild? What is God rebuilding? Of course, and I, I'm thinking buildings and teams, and, you know, and God's like, Jeff, I just want to rebuild you. And he wants to rebuild me so that I can be a conduit to help you rebuild too. No matter how long you've been in church, we are all in this rebuilding process. Somebody said the other day, oh, I heard your church is a recovery church. And I'm like, yeah, we're recovering from sin. <laughs> so come to church. Because sin is taking over the community and we are recovering and we are thriving because we have a Holy Spirit that wants us to live as saints instead of sinners. And that's where the real rebuild comes. So if you're online or if you're th thinking, yeah, come and recover with us. 
One of the things that Jeremy hit me hard with was our time. He kind of gave us a little time management thing. You guys remember that last week? And one of them was uh, 4.5 years of eating. And my friend Kate that's back there at the, oh, she's here now. She texts me and she goes, is that continuous eating? And did you go over? Uh, well, <laughs> I've known Kate since she was a squirrely little uh, junior high kid, so... So we spent 4.5 years eating. We spent five months complaining. If we just took those five months and, and instead of complaining, complimented, or was more careful about what we said, how would that change the world and would that make your life more passionate instead of delusional and complaining? But the one that stuck out to me, and I know that it stuck out to you, 11.4 years of screen time. And I was looking all week going, well, how much time have I spent? I got to cut it down. Because if we're spending that much time online or on the TV, and, and, and it's not a lie. I know we are. We don't want to believe it. Well, there, there's some room that we can rebuild there. So in February 2020, do you guys remember how exciting January of 2020 was? God's going to show the church, and he's got vision, 2020 vision. He showed us the church. It's divided. It's not as strong as we thought. We don't need a building as much as we think we need a building. And people have basically said God's not as important as he was because 2020 came, COVID came, and many of us have failed the test of the trial because we've just given up on God. But in February 2020, I was on fire. This was our 10-year anniversary in J July, and I was thinking, we're going to have a building, we're going to be this amazing church, and we're going to celebrate, and everybody's going to go, wow, what a, an amazing thing. Do you hear any ego in that? Thanks for laughing over there. I finally thought, well, we're going to have a building. I drive by buildings all week. That's a building, that's a building, church building, church building. And I'm thinking, Lord, we're going to be like a normal church, whatever that is. I have no idea. And just thinking about journey being normal makes me laugh because I'm like, there's no chance, Lord. <laughs> but we're at least going to have a building, right? And so I was thinking to myself, wow, this is going to be awesome. But God knew and knows, and I don't. And then COVID came. And I don't know if you guys know this, but before COVID, we had a Wednesday night service here, and we were going worse by worse through a lot of things. And we had this Wednesday night service, and the president came on and said, hey, we're shutting the borders in 48 hours. My daughter, it's 3 in the morning in Spain, calls my wife in the middle of the service and says, I got to buy a ticket. She's looking online at $600. By the time she hit purchase, it went to $900, almost $1,000. The next day at the airport as she was getting on, people were offering $10,000 and $20,000 for her ticket. And I'm like, dude, take it. We'll get you back on the train, I promise. We'll get you back. <laughs> I, I, I did think take it, but we didn't take it. And she made it. There was a 6 o'clock deadline to get the Americans back. And, you know, you guys all know the story. And that was only supposed to happen for a couple weeks. You remember that? Months go by. And now years 
I'm going to confess. I've been discouraged. So discouraged that at one moment in August, I talked to my wife, I talked to the board, and I talked about possibly leaving the church. As a lot of pastors did during COVID, decided to retire. It's, it's hard to see the church. And I don't know what discouragement you have today, but it is an ugly feeling. It sits in a place that you don't want it to sit. And it makes you feel less than. So if you're here today and you have discouragement, and I promise you, I do and did, it's okay. Here's the first point of today's message. Before we even open up the book of Haggai 2, and you guys can open it and get there, here's what I want you to know. Discouragement is a test of our faith that must be passed. It's a test that must be passed. Now, I don't know about you, but tests need to be passed. And Chico sees, gets degrees. Just pass the test. You don't have to get flying colors. You just need to pass the test. Now, my wife used to be a great test taker. She'd stay up all night pulling her hair out and just like up and bags under her eyes trying to stay up and figure out. And she's like, I don't know. It's going to be so hard. And then she comes home, 96. I'm like, what are you doing? I, when I was in Chico, I'd stay up all night and take a test. And it was a miracle. I just got to the class to take a test. That's pressure. But this is a test that must be passed. And as you go through the message today, here's what I want you to know. As we open up the book of Haggai, this is a prophetic word from God that's still alive today. And it talks about we as a church, we as a people of God, you individually can overcome discouragement. We can defeat it by the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that's here today. Last week, Jeremy talked a little bit about the beginning of Haggai, and it was talking about people fixing their homes. They were told to come back and rebuild the temple, and they all went back, and they just started building luxurious homes. You guys remember that? If you haven't read the book, they come back, and they instead of building the temple, they're building their houses. It reminds me of COVID. Do you guys remember the Home Depot lines? The only place you could go to was... The grocery store, and I would use my father-in-law, who was 89, to get into the grocery store and get the toilet paper before everybody else. <laughs> and I'd give him a roll and have 40 for myself. And so we started to go to Home Depot, and people are walking around, and they're like, well, I got some money. I might as well do something for my home. And here's what's happened since the two years of COVID has gone by. We're still at home. We become homebodies. And the home is a, is a great thing. And it could be an apartment. It could be a motor home. It could, it could be a trailer. It could be a, a mansion on the hill. Our homes are good, but the home is where God wants to rest. That's in your heart. And the temple, that's you. And in the, that place, God wants to take those treasures to heaven. So... Last week it began like this, and I just want you to remember this because it's going to make sense at the end. On August 29th of the second year 
of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave me this prophetic word, which was, it's time to start. Church, it's time. It's time to start. We can start a revival just by all of us becoming passionate world changers for Christ. There's not another moment that can come by without us making that claim. And all of us don't have to, just those that God is calling us have to be obedient. So here's what Haggai chapter 2, this is where we're going to begin today, says. Then on October 17th of the same year, the Lord sent uh, the other message through the prophet of Haggai. And here's where it begins. And I want to give you a prophetic word from God that's still alive today. Many of the things that have said still need to come true and are happening right now. And so prepare your hearts as we open this up and let God speak to you boldly. Father, in your name, let the Holy Spirit roar like a mighty lion today into our hearts and souls. Touch us in a way that we've never been touched. In your name, let these words become part of our life. We all claim you as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This is October 17th, 520 B.C. It's the time of Yom Kippur, the festival of the tabernacle, of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's that same year. They're still celebrating it today. They've been celebrating it for thousands of years. You'll see Yom Kippur come up in a couple of weeks. And here's what the prophetic word says. Verse 2, say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnants of those left in the pleasant valley of this area. Because the church is living on remnants today. Not everybody's come back. And it says the remnants of God's people in the land. Does anybody remember the house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. That's how I felt. It seems like nothing at all. It's been 66 years since the temple was destroyed. 66 years since the the, the splendor of Solomon and all that he did had been destroyed. And now there must have been a few people that remember that were there 66 years ago and what the temple looked like prior to its uh, destruction. You know what? The Bible teaches itself, and there's a guy named Ezra, and he was there at the beginning of the temple at the end, and he shows us and this foundation in Ezra chapter 3 what is happening. The, the foundation has been laid, and now some people are saying it really looks like nothing. It sure doesn't look like what it looked like back in 2020 before COVID. Here's what Ezra writes about the same thing. He's basically referring to the same thing Haggai's prophesying about. He says, Ezra 3.11 should be on the screens. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. Finally, we have started to rebuild. Finally, people are coming back to church. Finally, we can see the power of God. And there's a celebration because God's love endures forever. And then the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord and because of the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. And so same time, same thing. One's receiving a prophetic word. One's given a historical account. 
But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. They wept aloud because it didn't look and it wasn't going to be like it was in the day of Solomon. They were weeping. Church is not going to be like it was pre-2020. We've got to rebuild it. That's why we're doing this sermon series. We've got to rebuild it. And it starts within me and it starts within you. And you've got to walk away from the discouragement and walk into the arms of Christ. Run to the Father's heart. Run to his will. Run to his love and grace and mercy and watch his glory shine through you. It says, they wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple laid while others shouted for joy. Some were focused on the past, but some were just focused, hey, we've laid the foundation and they shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of, of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard from far away. Listen. The church is going to take some work to get it back to where it's supposed to be. And I'm not talking about journey. Trust me, I'm a big church guy. I want the church. I don't care. If this isn't the place, go to a church that excites you. Go to a church that opens up the Bible and preaches the gospel and gives you an opportunity each Sunday to bring people to faith. Go to that church. If this isn't the place, go. It's okay. We're not trying to make a little kingdom called journey here. We're trying to build the big kingdom called the church. But here's where discouragement comes. The good old days versus nowadays. In verse 3 it says, how in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing. Remember the good old days? Remember the roaring 50s? No, I wasn't there. But oh, that was the generation. That was the best when slick hair back and, you know, you can drink and drive. It was no big deal. The only people laughing were the ones that were there going, yep. <laughs> the good old days versus nowadays. Since 2020, I've been stuck in comparison. What we used to be like and what we're like today. Look at that church, God's a building. God, we don't have a building. Look at that guy's got thousands. Lord, we can't get hundreds. Look at this, look at that, look at this. I've been stuck. It's caused distress, sleepless nights. And I've already told you, it's caused, it caused me doubting in my call to the kingdom. And trust me, I have a strong call to serve the Lord. And for me to even come to a place of doubt, when I've had physical words come from heaven through multiple people in multiple different languages, the doubt and discouragement was great. But a couple weeks ago, it all started to shift. We have a high school group called Fireside that meets on, on, on Wednesday nights. And we went to camp in the middle of summer 
And there was this moment where uh, one of my friends, Dave, was there, and the, just the, there's the Holy Spirit, and we're singing songs, and to see high school kids just praising out loud on this ocean water, singing songs, and there was this moment where I just started to cry, and I confessed that I'm discouraged. And how hard it was, and I just remember for the first time, really talking through this point of discouragement. And that brings me to the second point. Discouragement comes from comparing. And let me break the bad news to you. Social media is all about comparing. Swipe. Look at what vacation I went to. Look at how much weight I've lost. Look at where I'm going. Look at my new dog. Look at my new relationship. Look at my baby. If I see another back to school picture. <laughs> swipe. But there's this guy named Charles Spurgeon, and he writes this, and this is like the most important thing that he writes, because Spurgeon is the prince of preachers. He is the one that speaks to preachers, and he is this amazing guy that has written stuff, and he wrote something about this verse, so let me tell you what it says. His words are better than me explaining the discouragement. It says, the smallness of our gifts may be temptations to us. We are consciously so weak and so insignificant compared with the great God and his cause that we are discouraged and think in vain to attempt anything. It's like God is so big and wonderful and huge and I'm just a little peon in this world. Why even try? Why should I even invite anybody to church or talk or share my faith? God is so big. He doesn't need me. I promise you God needs you. Then it says, the enemy in contrast. So now the enemy knows your weakness. If you're discouraged, that's a weakness. It's a weak link in your faith. And now he knows that and he's going to press on that. And in that discouragement, here's what he says. The enemy contrasts our work that of others and with that that have gone before. So now, now I'm comparing, well, look what Spurgeon did. He was the first mega preacher besides uh, Paul and, and, and uh, Peter and James. He's a mega preacher. And, and look at the guys online that are preaching to thousands this Sunday. And we start comparing. And the discouragement keeps coming. The, co the enemy knows that. And he says, we are doing so little compared to other people. Therefore, let's just give up. And many people in the church today, I was with Tara at the conference last night, the summit worship at Pepperdine, and the lady was talking, many have just given up. I've talked to many people since COVID, and uh, some, some lady, I saw her at, uh, out to lunch, and she's like, are you guys still online? And I'm like, yeah, and in person and outdoors. That means they, they, they're not engaged. I went to go try and buy a car with, with a guy in Oxnard the other day, and I told him as a pastor, and he's like, is anybody coming to church? We haven't gone in three years. And I said, yeah, there's a few people. But listen, unless we make some changes, the millennials, they don't want to go to church. They didn't want to go before COVID. What do you think they're at now? They're in an RV running from this world. 
And so our church needs to change so that we can invite them and the next generation because that's what's going to carry the church. And are we handing off the mantle? Here's the last part. We cannot build like Solomon, therefore let's not build at all. That's the mindset. We cannot build, so let's not build at all. Yet, brethren, there's a falsehood in all of this. And the truth, in truth, nothing is worthy of God. Nothing we can do is worthy of God. The great works of others and even the amazing production of Solomon all fall short of the glory of God. Nothing we can do is amazing unless God anoints it and only God can build what God wants to. And in you, he's trying to rebuild the kingdom of God. And in this day of Haggai, it did them no good to look at yesteryear, 66 years ago. Man, look at this foundation. It's horrible. Oh, Jedediah did a way better job 60 years ago or 500 years ago. What's happening is the comparing is destroying us. So here's what it says in verse 4. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Zadok, the high priest. Be strong, all of you in Pleasant Valley. Be strong that there are left in the land. And get to work. If we're going to rebuild, we've got to work. You can't let me do the, all the work. You can't let Jeremy or Tara or Kim or Ashley do all the work. We, we did a thing the other day, and Jeremy's got 12 ministries under his helm. 12. You know how many he can really do? About four. I'm going to let that sit for a sec. Be strong. You all that are left in the land and get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. This is our memory verse. When we are obedient and when we obey and we do the work that God has called us to do, he says, I am with you. My spirit is with you and I will be with you and I will walk with you as you are rebuilding your temple and making the church a priority for the kingdom of God. And that means making your life a priority. Five says, my spirit remains among you, just as I promised you when you came out of Egypt, out of oppression, out of darkness, out as a slave, and into freedom so that you can be in this new promised land. So don't be afraid. Obedience brings a, 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 an experience with God like no other. I'm here and I'm with you. That brings me to the third point. Discouragement does not come from God. My God, your God, our God, he's not a God of discouragement. He's a God of encouragement. He's a God of wisdom and might, and he's trying to pull you, Psalm 40, out of the mud and mire and put you on solid ground so that you can rebuild. The problem is, is you keep jumping back into the mud going, nope, I'm going to keep swiping and drifting into the universe and into this world and not standing on the principles that God is first. There's a lady named Joyce Baldwin. She writes for Tyndale, which is the one that kind of put together the NIV Bible. And she writes this commentary, and she says this about this verse 
these verses. There was a lack of dissatisfaction with the things as they were. There's a lack and the church isn't where it's supposed to be and they're not talking about what I want and they're not doing what I want and there's a lack of dissatisfaction, he says. And the consequence was there's a lack of drive to initiate action. And so we're all just kind of letting the wheels spin. Somebody else is spinning them and I'm showing up and going, ah, the coffee's better this week. They didn't play my favorite songs. He didn't say the things that I wanted him to say. But, you know, I'll come back in four weeks. And she said, so there's this resignation to quit the work for the Lord. And there has been a bunch of people that have just given up on God. But what does the Bible say? It says, it says be strong, be strong, be strong, Todd, be strong, Don. Be strong, Mary. Fran, be strong in the Lord. Jennifer, be strong and do the work. And don't fear, for I am with you. God gave three clear plans in this text. Three clear commands, each of them were essential to rebuilding the temple. And if you're here today and you're not hearing them, the first one was to be strong. The second one was to do the work, and the third one is to not fear. Great things are not accomplished without action. In my recovery, I don't know if you guys know this, if you're new here today, I, I'm in recovery because somehow, some way, the enemy took over my life, and I'm an addict and an alcoholic, and I've had to be in recovery, and I'm celebrating a, a, a couple decades of sobriety. But here's what I've learned. Yeah. Here's what I've learned from a man that didn't believe Jesus at the time, and now does, that I have to act myself into right thinking. I have to work myself into right thinking. If I'm doing the work of the Lord, how do you think I'm going to be thinking as I'm doing that work? I'm going to be thinking like, hey, I'm doing things for God, not doing things for myself. I can't continue to build myself in my little kingdom. I've got to put myself in the kingdom of God, and you'll see why in just a second. The same God that created the universe, that breathed out stars and suns and universes beyond universes is the same God that's telling you I'm with you. The same God that built me and you out of dust and breathed life into us is the same God that says, don't fear, I am with you. The same God that set the captives free from, from the Egyptian people is the same God that's trying to set you free today. The same God that allowed David to defeat your giant Goliath is the same God that's here today that wants to set you free and allow you to beat the crap. I was going to say snot because I didn't want to say crap. Out of, out of your giant. It's the same God that wants to pull you out of the teeth of the lion. 
So the king comes back and praises God or your boss comes back or your spouse comes back and praises God for what he is doing. The same God that put a baby in Mary's womb and, and gave us a savior is the same God that went to the cross and saved us from ourself and our sin and now has raised him again. That God is here and he wants to speak life by being strong. Be strong for the kingdom of God. Be strong for the glory of God. Be strong and do the work and do not fear because God's got greater things coming. My spirit remains among you, God says, and I'm here. That brings me to the last point. Disappointments will always come. And this is something I learned this week. All of these things that happened in my life, just my personal life, were just disappointments. But discouragement is a choice. And I chose a couple weeks ago, the last time I preached a couple weeks ago, I, have, I did something that I haven't done in a long time. I sat out there with a cup of coffee and just waited for people to come. You know how discouraging that was? At 10 o'clock and nobody's in the church. And I'm just sitting there going, I know they're going to come, Lord. And I came up here, and I, I haven't preached in a couple weeks, and I've been just dwelling on it. But it's just a disappointment. And I have to choose to not let that discourage me. I remember Jeremy speaking to me on our first Christmas Eve service when only 20 people showed, and the week before we had 80. And on Christmas Eve, and 20, half of them were me and my family and Jeremy and his family, so it was really three And Jeremy said, you'll speak and I'll speak to one if they show up. Amen. Here's the best part of the text today, and this will be the, uh, the kind of bringing us to a conclusion. For this is what the Lord says of the heaven's army. In just a little while, when? In just a little while, pay attention. I will shake the heavens and earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to the temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's army. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. The future glory of the temple is going to be greater than the past glory. Says Jeff Rodriguez. No, the way I see it is the church is going to be worse because I've been living in discouragement. Thus saith the Lord that it's going to be better. Whatever he's building now, in five years we're going to look back and go, holy cow, God, you are so good. Your love endures forever and you are the great God I am. And in this place that we rebuild that we understand and that we bring the treasures to, he says, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoke. This is a prophetic word of 2,500 years ago. I think Jeremy said 2,536 or 28. I don't remember the number. But it's still about today. It doesn't go away. The prophet words are for back in the day 40 years ago and also in, in the future time in 2022. And here's what it says. Everything will be brought to the temple. All the treasures of all the nations will be bought before the Lord. Listen, it's his. 
whatever you have in your bank account's not yours. I know you're managing and monitoring and wishing and hoping that it's really yours, but really, it's God's. And we're holding on to it, and we're, you know, oh, there might be another pandemic, and oh, I need this, and I need that. And the truth is, it's not yours in the first place. And what's happening is we're holding on to it, and God's like, release it and watch me work, because I'm going to do unshakable things, and I've got to get my people into this unshakable mindset. One day, every knee will bow, every head will bow, every ear will hear, and every eye will see that the great I am is Jesus Christ. And at that moment, all the treasures, this is a prophetic word, all the treasures will come before God. And we, our job is to let them go and give it to the Lord. Run to the Father, run to his heart, run to his grace and not be stuck in your old ways. If we are going to rebuild, we've got to be better and bigger and beyond this. Not like we've got to suit up, we've got to be better and bigger in our faith and in our walk with God so that he can suit up and do the work through you. The Bible tells us, Psalm 5010, if you don't know the verse, 5010 says, I own the cattle on all the hills. Not me, personally. I don't own any cattle. Well, actually, I got a tri-tip in the freezer right now. It's his. And for us to rebuild the church, we need to make sure that the offering and what we're giving is his too. And we're going to be really talking about that a lot as we head into the book of Timothy and over the next few months about giving and giving back to the Lord. So when is all this happening? The shaking is occurring. And God is trying to bring peace, but the problem is, is we're holding on to it. And there's a place in Hebrews chapter 12 that talks exactly about this place of shaking that this prophetic guy, Haggai, writes. And here's what it says. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who is speaking from heaven. We will not escape. If you're hearing something today, it's not from me. I've had an incredible week with God, but this is not from me. This is 100% from God. And this morning, the rehearsal was nothing like this. In the middle of it, I had Doug's keys and I had to come to church. And I just wanted to give up. But God shows up. Here's what it says. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, and now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. If you are not investing in the kingdom of God and unshakable things, your stuff is all going to disappear one day. And you might be sitting there going, where did it all go? I'm not investing in the kingdom and the cause and Christ and giving that away. I'm investing in Tesla. I bought a little Tesla last week. But it could shake away. I also make sure that I give to the kingdom of God because that's unshakable. 
Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us go uh, and let us be thankful and and please God, and we're going to do this in just a second, worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For God is a consuming fire. God is a roaring lion. Do you feel him today? And our job is to take that feeling and put it into action and not sit on our duff and do nothing and give up because I don't feel good. I'm living in discouragement. God is breaking it free right now. There's someone online that's standing up and crying and worshiping God. Intercede for that person. There's someone outside that's feeling discouragement. Sweat away from them. Because <laughs> it's hot out there. And there's someone here that's finally hearing the voice of God and not going to live in discouragement. Future glory. There's a greater glory coming. No matter what our church looked like pre-COVID, there's still a greater glory because Jesus is coming back. And whatever we have, we're going to bring people with us for the glory of God. So how do we rebuild? Let's go through this real quick because I want to tell this last story. The rebuild starts by overcoming discouragement. Discouragement's a test, let it go. Discouragement comes from comparing. Not screen time, God time. Not human plans, God plans. Discouragement comes from the Lord. Discouragement doesn't come from the Lord. It comes from humans. And the enemy knows it. Don't let the enemy live. And the last one, disappointments are going to come. Great disappointments are going to come but you're making that choice. So my spiritual gift is to encourage people. That's what I do. I'm a preacher by nature, and if you really saw me in the places that I should be preaching, I, it, it's even different than today. But I want to tell you how powerful God is. I've had the incredible week to break free of discouragement. So let me just tell you what happened this week. I just... Want to, God, God is trying to speak to me. I, I, when I do a message, I pray and I read, and by Thursday, I pull it all together and put it on a piece of paper. From 7 to 8, I'm going through the Bible in 90 days, and in that time, about 7.38, the book of Haggai, chapter 1 and chapter 2, happened to be on that same day that I've read, and I'm like, God, that's so cool. You know, the same book I'm devoting is also in my message this week. And as I finished the message, I go, man, I got to be more detailed. And so I looked up online the actual date that I sent that letter. Because originally, I'm like, in August, I sent a letter. And so I looked up at the date, and I typed in. And it was August 29th. Remember that number. August 29th, I, I, I wrote this letter and said, hey, man, we're leaving. God's going to give us a building. And then as I did a little bit more research. I looked at Jeremy's message last week. And I don't know if you guys got this, but the rebuild started on August 29th. And two weeks ago, this guy, I think we have a picture of him, he's called, his ministry is called Ravenous Mercy. He's from South Africa, spoke at a church on Saturday and did some stuff on Sunday, in town for only a day or two, comes, my sister's like, hey, this guy James wants to talk to you. And I met him once in 2018. So this guy that's speaking, and he speaks all over the world, comes and 
he sits and tells me, and he's telling me all this stuff, and finally I'm like, I am so discouraged. Everything you're saying sounds so good, and this guy's like the Apostle Paul from South, Af uh, South, uh, South Africa. And he's sitting in my living room. He's one of the great voices of the, in, 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 in the kingdom today. And he's sitting in my living room with his wife, and they're there, and they're trying to encourage me. And he's saying, Jeff, you and your church is in the middle of what God is going to do all over the world. And I'm like, not me. It can't be me, Lord. And I confess my discouragement. They pray over me, and I feel the relief that I've never felt before. And so, randomly, after my message, God goes, look on the calendar, the date that James and Marlene's came to see you. It was August 29th of this year. In the last three years, I've lived from the great highs and the great lows like we sang. But God used the Bible August 29th, used my life August 29th, and used this 29th to show you, church, we are right where God wants us to be. And God is going to start moving and filling the seats of all the churches, not just Journey. And our job is to be strong and do the work and not fear. Stand for Christ and do the will of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we love you and we praise you and we ask that a mighty spirit of God moves. And Lord, let nothing stop what you're doing right now. We bind the hand of Satan and we ask the glory of God. Roar in this place. Take over online right now. Pray for those outside and move in a way. The spirit of discouragement is gone and in the name of Jesus Christ, greater faith rises. And if there's someone here that doesn't know God, listen, I say this same prayer every week so that you know it, so that you can give it away. I try and save it the same every week so that you can help people come to the Lord. Here's the prayer. If it's you, repeat it after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my soul, and be my Lord and Savior. You died for me, and you rose three days later so that I can be with you in eternity. I repent of all my sin. I confess you are Lord. Holy Spirit, take over my mind, body, and my soul and teach me how to walk in your ways. We love you, King Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, let's worship Jesus Christ today.